Okay. Let me get a little silence and then I'll know where this picks up at. Bow your heads while we pray. <laughs> you guys better mute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Hold on. All right. Track means you're too loving, Daddy ain't coming back Cause I'm moving on I'll soon be gone He will fly too high for my little old sky So I'm moving on That big cloud whistle as it blew and blew Said hello to the Southland We're coming to you and we're moving on Oh, hear my song You had to laugh at me But I've set you free and I'm moving on Well, welcome to Posterity Podcast, a discussion of unusual and not-so-unusual subjects that touch the lives of everyday people from a Christian worldview. This is Mike Carmen sitting alongside Jay Carmen, otherwise known as the Overlords of the UFO, with our brother Ray Carmen joining us for this episode of a great discussion of music our mom listened to. How are you guys? I forgot to turn my mic out. Hi, how are you? Doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I am good also on this Thursday night. So Yeah. How's the weather in Harrison, Jay? Cool and dry. <laughs> cool. And now the weather report. <laughs> well, on brake lights all the way up 480 in the left-hand lane. Do an accident in the left-hand lane. Give us some extra 20 minutes to go to work. Back to you, Mike. <laughs> we're, we Obviously, we're all good. Yeah. yeah. It's nice to know that... You always have second vocation possibilities. You know, I know, you can... yeah. I really should have gotten a job with Nickelodeon, like Nick at Night or something, you know. I can't blow up the earth without my Lutheran Pure 36 <laughs> space module at all. You know, I should have done that, you know. Yeah. Oh, well. In another life, I guess. Yeah. So music our mom listened to. Where did this idea come from? How did we get this wonderful idea for a podcast yeah. episode? <laughs> well, okay, I have a show uh, called the Pop Radio Program, and what it is, the tagline is independent underground and experimental pop from artists that refuse to swim in the mainstream. So that can be everybody from, it's mostly, un, uh, it would, yeah, maybe not necessarily underground, but a lot of it is, like uh, Martin Newell, who's a very uh, well-known underground pop musician in England, or Stevie Moore is a very well-known uh, underground pop musician now out of he he's now back in nashville um that can be ever everywhere from that end of the spectrum to really weird artists like the residents and jandek and people like that so um basically it's anything that's not played on mainstream radio more or less yeah. um that's pretty much it so um, there's a lot of I play a lot of indie rock and a lot of indie pop, but I also play a fair amount of experimental artists like Laurie Anderson and and uh, people like that. So, but I did one episode called "Songs My Mother Taught Me," and it was all songs that we all listened to that Mom had playing when we were growing up. Right. And uh, it was I have a friend of mine who is on LuxuriaMusic.com, uh, which is a really well-known internet radio station, and uh, he has uh, he has a show there, and I you know asked if maybe they'd be interested in my show and he sent them 
or he had me send them a couple of episodes and that was one of them. And so I'm going to actually do a two hour special program for Luxurian Music on Saturday, October the 1st. They're based out of California, so it'll be 7 to 9 p.m. there, which would be 10 to midnight in Ohio. Um, 9, I guess, to 11, where Mike's at, I guess. So, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and that's so this Sunday? That'll, no, it'll be Saturday, October 1st. Okay. Yeah, so uh, they don't have any regular slots open for like new shows, but they uh, but they do Saturday night special programs, and they offered me a slot, so I've got one on Saturday, October first. But the idea for this particular uh, episode came from that episode of my show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What is the name of the Luxurian Music? Is Luxuriamusic dot com. Just like it sounds. Yeah, l u x u r i a music dot com. So they stream. They they it's twenty four hours. Yeah, they stream. Yeah. Okay. A lot up. of musicians have shows there. Um, my friend Michael Toth has a show there. Andrew Sandoval, who is Mickey Dolan's uh, manager, has a show on Luxury Music. Um, somebody who works for Capitol Records has a show there. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's an it's a cool place. So that's no, it's it's corny to say this, but it's an honor to you know at least have a two hour one oh, shot sure. thing, you know. Yeah, you know, so we'll see what happens. And I'm also supposed to be available online to chat that night too. So um I have bedrock internet here, so that may or may not work. <laughs> <laughs> so Flintstones Wi-Fi. So yeah, right. so I'm gonna try and you know if anybody wants to, if you guys are available and want to listen to the show, I'll be hopefully in the chat room. So yeah, okay, that'd be great. I, I'm gonna put it on my calendar. Yeah. So anyway, first. I've already recorded the show, so um, they're gonna go over it and see if anything needs to be you know redone or edited or anything. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. But but that is part of what led you to do to develop the whole concept of uh, mom or songs mom taught me. Yeah, I just wanted to do something um, different for the show, and I just always thought it'd be cool to do an ep- an episode of my show of stuff that we listened to when we were growing up. I'm actually going to do an episode of mainstream artists that I grew up listening to. Then just I'll sort of go off the uh, non-mainstream thing for one episode. And I'll play some Beatles and you know Queen and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but there's never a shortage of stuff for me to play, you know, cause I've got, you know, almost 2000 CDs here and vinyl and, right. and I got stuff from the library too. So, you know, it's, yeah. I've always got something to play. So, yeah. You know, cool. I was thinking about, um, this list of songs that we put together and, uh, obviously whatever music we listened to that dad listened to growing up to me would probably be a much shorter list. But yeah. for me, uh, you know, I would have never known who Glenn Miller was or mm-hmm. Tommy Dorsey or, mm-hmm. you know, other big band artists if dad hadn't been sitting in the dining room kind of crouched over listening to the to the record player, the, the, yeah. the, the yeah. old floor model stereo that mom had. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he always yeah, because you know, he he saw a lot of those guys and you know, he was in World War Two. They they yeah. tore the bases and stuff and he met charlie barnett who's a real famous big band leader um i don't know oh, i didn't he, know that yeah 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 he did yeah and uh but he always he also liked the mamas and the papas mm-hmm. oh, and he that. liked he liked the stuff that mike nesmith wrote for the monkeys that country rock stuff he really liked that stuff 
Ah, I, th- I think he like was it the nitty gritty dirt band that he liked certain things that they did too. Might have been. Um, I know Mom had one of their records. Yeah, uh, there was something that I remember him saying. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Nesmith actually wrote a song. One of their early hits was a song he wrote uh, called "Some of Shelley's Blues." I think it's called. Um, but yeah, yeah. So. Um, I know he mostly listened to big band stuff, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't sit down and listen to music on a regular basis like mom did. He listened to ball games. Yeah, that's what he listened to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Watched a ball game on TV, listened to a ball game on his radio headset with a book in his lap. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes two different games. Yeah. And then, and then nodded off to sleep. (laughs) sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So what's first up, Ray? Well, a um, couple of things that Jay suggested. The first one is uh, Judy Garland's Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So I'm going to play. These are like a minute and a half uh, excerpts. So let's let's do the first one. Let's do Judy Garland. So what do you remember about that, Jay? Dream. Yeah. Oh, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Does it come to you in your dreams? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I sorry. remember that I sorry, I like the song. Uh, I you know, I the movie as a young, young child terrified me. The flying monkeys and <laughs> setting the scarecrow on fire, you know, yeah. and and the house dropping out of the sky and killing the old bat witch. So, you know, the uh, but it was because the effects that they used at that time were very real. And, you know, that, so it was terrifying. But I liked that song. And I think part of the reason I liked it was mom had, I don't remember uh, if she had like the album that was from the movie. I imagine that was the case. But I remember that she played it in the house. Yeah, And I would hear that. And it was just kind of this nice voice, comforting voice. I was probably five, five or six. It's one of the songs. In fact, the three that the first two that you're going to play, this one and the next one, are some of the earliest ones that I remember. You know, from the time I was in kindergarten, and there were mm-hmm. others, but these were. This was just one of them that I thought was kind of cool. I, you know, we were little kids. Kathy and I, your sister, our sister. We'd walk around the house singing it at the top of our lungs, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I'm, you know, I'm, back then, uh, showing the Wizard of Oz on television was always a big deal. You remember that? Because they yes. do it once a year. It yeah. was a big deal. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I've always thought that that song and um, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong mm -hmm. are like almost like near-perfect songs. Yeah. That you know, and the thong song. There's just something about no, just them kidding. that are. What's that? Yeah. That and the thong song. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I don't know. <laughs> there is a song called that, but I've never. Heard. I did. I've not had this that moment yet. ruined to you by Ray Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available for children's parties. <laughs> oh, oh, get boy. it in all that out later. Or leave it in. Who cares? I'm but, available uh, somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I this is a, a sad comment to make, but uh it's true. But I remember after mom and dad passed away, especially after mom passed away, uh, we were up at uh, Arnold and Juanita's house. Uh, Arnold is our uncle or was our uncle. And Aunt Juanita said that um, he just played that song to death after, after mom died. He was so sad. Oh, wow. I, 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 I remembered that. after that, I listened to that song. And then I always thought of him listening to that song. And it was, you know, very sad. Yeah, I didn't know he did that. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Juanita said he just played it to death. So yeah, yeah. that was one of Mom's favorite songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably one of her favorite movies too. So, um, they see the next one that Jay suggested was a song by the Everly Brothers called "All I Have to Do Is Dream." You guys want me to play the excerpt from that? Let me go ahead and go do ahead. that. Okay. Sure. Right. Dream. Charms whenever I want you, all I have to do is dream, 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 dream when I feel blue in the night, and I need you to hold me tight whenever I want you, all I have to do is dream. I can make you mine, taste your lips of wine anytime, night or day. Only trouble is, she whips, I'm dreaming my life away. I need you so that I could die. I love you so, and that is why. Yeah, I think I think this was one of those songs that uh, mom was always puzzled because I would ask her to play that sometimes. Hmm. Uh, I would hear it on the radio. And then I remember being at grandma's house. Uh, uh, the house maybe on Talmadge, I don't remember. But um, <clears throat> I remember being there one weekend and... Uh, Uh, dad's uh, sister, our aunt Betty, was had come in. It was at the house with uh, her daughter Judy, 
and we were they were playing records and this one came up and i said hey will you play that again i remember asking and i was probably six at the time and um uh there was something about that that i mean i'm a I, I don't even I didn't I wouldn't admit it until probably five, ten years ago, probably five years ago that I've always been kind of a romantic and more in tune with. And by that, I don't mean necessarily romantic songs. It's more of an idealism kind of thing. But but this song, for some reason, struck a chord with me, <laughs> literally, you know, because you hear the guitar chords. But um, and and I, I just I like the harmony. I like the tune. Um, it's too young to really understand anything about the lyrics, but still there was something about it that just kind of stuck with me. And mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those ones that uh, when I was first first learning to play guitar, I actually experimented with that song. It, it never ended up on my list of ones that I learned to play, but uh, but I liked it. Well, you know, Kathy always liked Kathy's Clown by the Everly mm -hmm. Brothers. Was, and yeah. then my favorite Everly Brothers song was Walk Right Back. Walk right back to me this minute. This minute I always yeah. love I always love that song. I always yeah. love that song. Yeah, yeah, this is my favorite one. But uh, yeah, well, mom played a lot of Everly Brothers. She played a lot of um, Hank Williams, which I'm going to play later on. Um, but yeah, 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 she loved that stuff. Yeah, she did. I, don't, yeah. I was wondering if she ever saw them because you know, mom saw a lot of people perform. She saw Elvis. She saw. Uh, Grandpa Jones, she saw Minnie Pearl, she mm -hmm. saw uh, Carl Smith, who was June Carter's first husband before she married Johnny Cash. So I was wondering if she ever saw the Everly Brothers. I mean, she never said anything to me about it, but then I don't remember, I don't know if she ever told me everybody that she saw perform. I, I don't right. know. I don't think she did. I mean, they went, I mean, her and her cousins went every chance they could, they could, you know, mm -hmm. and that, those were the days when you could, what was it? It was the Akron Armory that they played, at, mm -hmm. which in those days was an armory, Yeah, you know, for the National Guard. And, but it had this big theater stage and these <coughs> shows would come into town and play there and she would go every chance she could get. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, I, I actually didn't know that the Akron Armory I always figured it had been an armory, but I didn't know that it had a stage in it or a, a, a theater in it. And that's why they were there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just out of curiosity, is her high school still around central high school or was that demolished a long time ago? I think it was demolished. Yeah. Okay. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think it's around anymore. Okay. Yeah. Akron armory was around for a long time. I think Devo played there in the seventies at one point. Huh? Yeah, is it, is it gone? It's gone. Yeah. 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 Okay. But well, you guys know that you know not only is Canton South High School gone, but of course you you know that Trump is gone. Trump, mm -hmm. Elementary, right? Trump Elementary, but Walker is being demolished. Did you? Wow. All that? I yeah. think it has just been demolished. Oh, I don't has know. It just been, I, okay. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. I think so. Yeah. If not, Very it's going to be pretty soon. Yeah. 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 That just leaves. Um, Faircrest, which I can't remember what that's going to be now, but well, they sold off Waco a long time ago. Sold it to because it's been a community building of some kind for a long time. Yeah. In fact, it was that before Trump was Trump was vacant at the time, but then Trump was torn down. I don't know, you know, of the five, there was the Trump, Waco, Prairie College, Amos McDaniel, 
and North North Industry. North Industry, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think I think some of the buildings may still be standing, but I don't think any of those are used as schools. Anymore. I don't think any of those schools exist anymore. No, uh, I don't think so. You no, know, anyway. Side note, but yeah, yeah I've, I've always wondered if Central High School was still around and who actually has her um, high school annuals. I don't have them. Um, I do have a, no. a photo album that belonged to one of her classmates that uh -huh. has uh, uh, pictures from her senior year and stuff like that, like people that were in her senior class. Um, but I've never seen, I've never seen a high school annual of hers at all. And um, if Arnold had any, I don't know where they're at. I mean, Holly might have them, but I don't know. Right. Yeah. Because I remember too, she had a black high school jacket. Mm-hmm. That she would go sled riding in when I was yeah. very small in the seventies. Yep. Uh, I don't. I don't know whatever happened to that, but she wore that thing. She could wear that thing for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was wearing it in the seventies. She wore it in the sixties. We'd go outside to sled ride, you know. Yeah. And uh, she would wear that, and I don't even remember wearing a hat. You know what? You know, we lived in the, up north, or you know, Ray, where you are, and yeah. it's cold in the winter. Yeah. Time. <laughs> yeah. Good grief! Yeah. I don't remember her wear even wearing a hat. But. Yeah. Speaking of wintertime, let me uh, let me lead in if it's okay to this next one. Okay, if sure. The next one you're going to play is Andy Williams. It's the most wonderful time of the year of all the Christmas. There are a few Christmas songs that are really, I think, just cool or neat. Uh, or impactful or just have a great tune or whatever but i always like this one because of the big band sound behind andy williams right and just the it's just a powerful powerful song and mm -hmm. i remember her playing that when these first two i remember her playing when we lived on talmage um, which means i was in kindergarten and it seems to me that she may have had this album Maybe not then, but shortly after we moved either to St. Clairsville or Canton, because I remember I was still, I couldn't have been more than third grade the first time I heard it. Just okay. All right, well, let's do it. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the half-happiest season of all With those holidays Day greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the happiest season of all. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time. 
That's a genuine classic, right? It <laughs> yes, is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That is that is one of those songs where Christmas time comes and I turn it, you know, I play it and I turn it up. And the louder I sing, I turn him up and I sound just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I could record Man, this song. Dances for myself, around the you know? house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I love it. Still do. That's a great Christmas album, and and uh, there's, the, you know, we have we play it every year here at the house. We play that, and we play the Johnny Mathis one. Yeah, and, uh, that that is uh, th- those are the two most like yeah. cemented Christmas albums in my yeah. Christmas tradition is Johnny Mathis yes. and, and Andy Williams. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are some people like my boss can't stand Christmas music, but I'm like, you know, I suppose if I listen to it all, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go back to bed <laughs> you know yeah, it's library like, well, curmudgeon yeah as well as if you listen to it all year round i guess <laughs> I don't that know, word was made for people like that yeah, yeah. curmudgeon <laughs> so uh, but yeah i mean that's i it's a great that's a great album the johnny mathis album is a great album and yeah. we don't we don't play the chipmunks too much around here but uh although that was you know a favorite when we were growing up that's and another one yeah yeah. I would say too is the uh, John Denver's Christmas with the Muppets. Oh yeah, <laughs> I will. I will get that out every year and play it. In fact, mm-hmm. I would love to find the TV special that they aired, mm-hmm. but I don't know that it was ever professionally released, like on VHS or certainly yeah. not on DVD. But there's it's probably be on some, YouTube. Yeah, probably a copy on YouTube. But that and the of course the Star Wars. What was, the, what was it called? The Star Wars Holiday Special? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, anyway, That's let's right get up back here to with Andy Williams. meets the Phantom of the Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Yeah. That was a great movie because Peter Chris, the cat, the drummer, all he ever went was, Ack! that was his all of his lines. The whole <laughs> <laughs> what was it called? Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Oh yes, yeah, it I was made for a TV that. movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, because there's like I, I remember seeing the trailer, and there's like they're like on a roller coaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Kiss beats the fan of the park. <laughs> I forgot about. That. You remember Mike Freeman? He was a big Kiss fan. Yeah, he was. That's funny. Uh, yeah, I remember when. Uh, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> no, he was a, he was a great guy. He was yeah, guy. yeah. He was. He was good. I just I just remember him like when when Kiss put out those. What was it? Four individual albums. There were four solo albums. Yeah, yeah. And they each had their <laughs> pictures on them. I remember he had like all four of them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> those um, things wound up in the bargain bins for a quarter apiece. <laughs> <laughs> that their record label Casablanca had the biggest number of returns on an album on with those four solo albums. Really? Because wow. they didn't sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh, they I all came out that. for Christmas that year, all in the same day. Yeah, and they had the biggest number of returns for those records. Yeah, that's too that's, funny. That's funny. <laughs> I always thought it would be funny if you buy each one, and you could cut it out and make a mask out of the cover, but you know, put like a piece <laughs> of string on it. Be better for a mess than would be a record than a record album. <laughs> <laughs> I think the you know the only one that had a, a hit was a hit was Ace Frehley. He had that song back in the New York Groove. That was a, like a he was the only one that had a hit from any of those solo albums. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think he's the 
And I think the Paul Stanley one probably sold pretty well, but the other two, like that Peter Chris one, was sold the least. Huh. So, but anyway. Oh, well. Yeah. For many so, ways to kiss, how do that's we right. How do we do it? <laughs> we're just <laughs> wacky like that. Just yeah, we're just amazing. That's how we <laughs> that's how that's right. That's how, that's right. That's how that's that's how we that's how we think. So speaking of uh cool though, I'm gonna the next one I'm gonna play is this is another one that mom played. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play it. is the ventures with sleigh ride from the ventures christmas album you guys remember that right oh yeah what year would that have been 1964 i think oh wow actually yeah you know that's that's probably one of their biggest selling albums and there's a really cool documentary about them um i can't i think it's just called the ventures but it came out a couple of years ago if you guys find it check it out it's really a lot of fun to watch huh Um, okay but uh they've I don't know if they still, well, I don't know if any of the original members are still around. I think one of them is. But um, there's a version of the Ventures that still plays nowadays. But uh, they made so many records that there were some albums that session musicians musicians played with some of them on. Like, there were four guys in the band, but four or five guys and there were there were some they were made some of the albums were made so quickly that there are a few albums where maybe half the band played with like session musicians um there's at least one out and i don't know what the name of the album is but there's one album there's one ventures album where the band doesn't actually play on it <laughs> which, <laughs> really? which just, yeah yeah because they, the record label just wanted to keep pumping stuff out and uh rob brantz from the chance he was also in king dapper with me he's a big uh, ventures fan and he said that you know people would go to concerts and a lot of times the people that they had pose on the cover uh, wasn't actually the band. They just get four guys and stick them in suits and give them guitars and drums. <laughs> so, like, so fans would get upset because the people pictured on the record albums weren't on the weren't on stage. There's when they toured, the Ventures played. It was them, but fans would be, would get confused because they're like, you guys don't. Yeah, they you know they hired models for that cover, whatever. <laughs> but the one album they didn't play on, they didn't know it'd come out till somebody gave it to them during a concert. <laughs> What's this? It's your new album. What? <laughs> that blasted record company. What? Yeah. So. so so the record company did this behind their back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They, that one time they did. Yeah. But most of the albums they played on. And they did that's definitely they... them playing on. That's definitely them playing on the Christmas album. 
But it makes me wonder how they got away with putting four guys on the front of a record album cover when they had already released records with these guys on the cover. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, a lot of those ventures albums, they'd have, they'd have girls on the cover. They wouldn't picture the band. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, having people play on other people's records, that's, that's, yeah. that was a common thing. I mean, if, in fact, you know, there's a very famous documentary called The Wrecking Crew about yes. 60s musicians that played I've on everybody's records. It's a great documentary. Yeah. Janet yeah. Dean, Beach Boys, Monkeys, Sonny and Cher, Righteous Brothers, everybody. Uh, but nobody knew that anybody did that until the Monkeys came out and said, we don't play on our records. Nobody even knew that they're like the first, like, I don't think Gary Lewis and the Playboys ever played on any of their records. And they're good musicians. You know, but they That's wanted true. to make rec- they wanted to make records quickly, and the quickest way to do that with a lot of people was to hire session musicians. And those guys, they that's what they did. They played on tons and tons of hits. You know, uh, Hal Blaine, the drummer, he played on Monkeys. He, I think, he played for John Denver at one point. Yeah, he you did. Know? Yeah. Um, a very famous drummer, Carol Kay, a very famous bass player. There's a video of her giving Gene Simmons from Kiss a bass lesson. You know, on on YouTube, um, a world famous bass player. She played bass on uh, Good Vibrations. By the, she played a lot of Beach Boy stuff. She played on the first Frank Zappa record. You know, so now, did didn't most of them become what what they call it, Phil Spector's Wall of Sound? Um, they played on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, right. And but that but then Brian Wilson. You know, the big thing with their involvement with the Beach Boys was he wanted to stop touring. He wanted to stay home and write songs. So Glenn Campbell actually replaced Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys for their touring band. So oh. he so he would stay home and write music. A, a great album of uh, one of their best albums called Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds, if, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, he wrote that entire album while they were on tour. All they had to do was come in and, and sing the vocal parts. Um, in fact, Brian Wilson sings lead on a lot of them. It's, it's almost a Brian Wilson solo album in all but name. I think the Beach Boys play on one song. But that's that's mostly the Wrecking Crew playing the music on that, hmm. on that album. It's yeah. one of their best records, right? And they talk about that in that documentary. Now, yeah. Let me ask something, um, because I did. You guys hear both tracks when you played the Ventures? I could not hear the the lead guitar track. Could you guys hear it? I could I hear it. It, it comes yeah. in after the song starts, though. Yeah, but I mean, I never heard it. I mean, I. Oh, I wonder if maybe one of your channels is out on your headphones or something. It could be. It could be or for whatever. I've been able to hear everything else, but I didn't hear that. I'm, that's why I look puzzled when you're playing. It's like, well, either that or my ear went out. <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> How many you know, records? Brian Wilson can only hear out of one ear. I don't know if that's you right. knew that or not. Yeah, his dad hit him one day, busted his eardrum when he was Ooh. a teenager. Yeah. Good yeah, his dad was a piece of work. So he's always heard things in Brian Wilson has always heard things in mono. I mean, I'm not, that's not a joke. That's true. Yeah. So, huh. but uh, yeah, yeah. How many records did the monkeys do produce or whatever sing on before it was known that they weren't actually playing the first two albums, the first two, okay. uh, the monkeys and more of the monkeys. That's why headquarters was the one that they played everything on. I mean, they right. made a big deal out of that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, but they weren't the first band to do that. I mean, the Birds infamously didn't play on their first album, except for Roger McGuinn. Now they later played on other records, but I mean, yeah, they, yeah, if that's that's a famous story about them. Uh, 
So, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of people didn't play on the records. The thing is, you didn't know it. Like, you know, like Gary Lewis and the Playboys, they were good musicians, I'm sure. But their record label, which oddly was the same as uh, the Ventures, um, I don't think they ever played on a single one of their records. I could be wrong, but a lot of bands, a lot of American bands back then didn't play on their records. And what is the name of that documentary where you where you learn all that? Uh, the Wrecking Crew. It's called The, the Wrecking, Wrecking Crew. Crew. Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a fun documentary. It is. Yeah, it is. I've watched it. Yeah, it's, it's a cool, cool documentary. And they all talk about how much they loved working with Brian Wilson because yeah. he would, you know, and he, despite the fact that he only could hear out of one ear, he was very attuned to what he was doing. You know, he'd stop a string section and go, third violin, your E is flat. And he would be right. Wow. And he didn't know how to write music. He did. I mean, he didn't know how to like notate music or anything, but he really is a genius. I mean, he could hear that kind of stuff. Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, he's in his eighties. He's about the same age as McCartney, I think. Huh. But yeah, if you've never heard Pet Sounds, it's my favorite Beach Boys album. God only knows is on there, and wouldn't it be nice? Right. And yeah. oh, uh, Caroline No is on it. Yeah, it's a great record. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a great record. But anyway, so yeah, we were talking about the Ventures until I went off topic. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, they played on most of the records, but there were some records where, like, a couple band members played with some other session musicians. But there is at least one album, from what I understand, that they don't play on at all. And they didn't even know it had come out until, you know, a fan gave it to them while they were on tour. <laughs> but, you know, that's, you know, that's, we talked about the monkeys. They didn't know more of the monkeys came out till they went, they were on tour and their roadie went across the street at the mall and bought it. And he's like, Do you guys, I didn't know you guys had a new album out. We don't. Well, here it is, you know. Mm -hmm. And now they all sang on it and everything. And it actually, um, there's a couple songs that Peter Tork actually played on that second record. But, um, but like, they were really angry about that. Like, the photo for More of the Monkeys, that was for a, a JCPenney clothes advertisement. They were really angry about how that was put together. So, wow. Yeah. But anyway. I, I, uh, have, I have a student this year who, if you were to put an afro on him, he would look like Mickey Dolan's. <laughs> back in the early 60s yeah really he just has that same boyish kind of good-looking face you know yeah. I thought, man if i put an afro on you you would look like mickey dolan's from the monkeys yeah and if you said that to me you go who who yeah yeah <laughs> well you know he's the only one left now yeah. isn't that sad yeah man? Yeah, yeah we oh, wow. me and kathy saw mike nesmith and mickey dolan's like three weeks before nesmith died oh because they played at the rocks it was a great show what but did he, he pass away from? Of cancer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was cancer. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, he was having, he had he heart had, problems. I think it was yeah, heart, he had heart problems, problems actually. Yeah, In fact, he was cancer. taking, he would get breathing treatments. He'd go off stage for a few minutes and get breathing treatments. Yeah. Because he was right. having trouble breathing. Yeah, because he'd had heart surgery a few years before. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't cancer. It was uh, yeah, he had, had heart problems. But uh, yeah, but I mean, he did a great show. He was funny. He sang great, but he looked really frail. You know, yeah. yeah. Right. So I'm really glad we got to see him that last time. Yeah. You know, back back to the ventures here for a minute. What got me interested in playing the guitar and playing it fingerpick style was listening to the ventures, and then listening to uh, Chet Atkins. Oh, and yeah, then, yeah, and yeah. And then later on, John Denver. Mm -hmm. And of course, John Denver actually didn't play pick style. He had background players that were playing that. But they, when those records were produced, they really played that 
you know, pulled that out. And uh, that's what got me interested in the guitar as an instrument other than just strumming it. I always liked the sound of individual strings. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've always told people, I, you, my, Jay, you basically taught me how to play guitar by playing John Denver songs because, <laughs> because they're, and they're, you know, if you want to learn like folk guitar, they're perfect because yes, they're all in major keys, right? Four mm. or five chords, oftentimes using the same four and five chords. And there's nothing wrong with that because Lou Reed spent an entire solo career doing the exact same thing, but he would, yeah, he would, you know, they'd all be in major keys. That's why his songs were so famous. You could get people to sing them they were easy to sing mm-hmm. you know um, yeah unless unless he got into the high range mm-hmm. you know the head headache range but yeah that, yeah I, i've actually had a couple people over the years tell me that they learned to play guitar listening to an evening with john denver over and oh, yeah. over and mm-hmm. over yeah. and i had to say you know of all my john denver albums that's the one that i played to death with the exception of uh windsong mm-hmm. right yeah, I yeah, yeah. I play that one. Wind song has some great guitar, has some great finger pick in there. You, you know what my favorite is, and I've always wanted to learn to play it, but it just it chickens. I, it, I get chicken. I just I can't do it. Um, <laughs> can't even say it. If you listen to the original recording of Rocky Mountain High from the Rocky Mountain High album in mm-hmm. 1973, the guy who's playing, the guy who's playing the finger pick lead is phenomenal i think and mm-hmm. i want to say I, I know who it is and i can't think of his name off the top of my head hmm. but it's he's all over the fretboard but yet he's still right in there with the major the major tune the tune itself mm-hmm. and uh it's just fun to listen to it's fun yeah to- i think he's playing a 12 string too which probably adds you know yeah adds adds to it yeah. but uh yeah yeah i mean it's there's yeah he's his stuff was great. To, and speaking of, you know, uh, that Wind Song album, it's the one that Livy Newton John was on. She sang on Fly mm-hmm. Away. She just yeah. passed away. Like what? She last just passed week or away too. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a good album. Jay, I gave you that CD, didn't I? I think last time you were here. Which one? Wind Song. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because somebody donated it and I grabbed it. Yeah. Yeah. So. But uh, um, let's see. Up next, uh, let's see. We've got. Oh wait a minute. What am I doing? You can edit that part out. Um, <laughs> in fact, you can edit most of this out. I'm just telling you something to keep in mind. Uh, the next one is Hank Williams. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, good. Hey, hey, how about if oh. I just sing it to you guys? Wouldn't okay, you guys <laughs> and then I'll play the residence version of "Hey, <laughs> which is really awful. It's really good, actually, but it's really weird. <laughs> so I could sing it, and then after that, it'll be the sound of Mike Carmen being strangled. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful sounds of Mike coming to you live at your house. Okay, anyway, let's do it. This is Hank Williams. This is "Hey, Good Looking." section of it anyway due to copyright legalities plus he's dead but anyway here we go (laughs) okay here we go a moment of silence so you can edit all that crap out (laughs) okay hold on you keep saying that then there's the music Hey, 
something up with me. Hey, sweet baby, don't you think maybe we could find us a brand new recipe? I got a hot rod Ford and a two-dollar bill, and I know a spot right over the hill. There's soda pop and the dancing spree. So if you wanna have fun, come along with me. Say, hey, good looking, what you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me? You guys remember that, right? Oh yeah. 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 You know, Mom had the '78. Mom had a ton of Hank Williams 78s, um, which, you know, unfortunately I didn't grab them. Um, yeah, when we were cleaning up their estate, I grabbed a handful of stuff. I grabbed that 10 record set of stuff from the fifties and sixties that readers Digest put out and a couple of other things. And that was it. Um, yeah, I wish I'd grabbed that. There's a, there's, there was also a record that mom, one of those homemade records that mom had made. You guys remember that? No, she had it. it. I don't know. It was must have been from high school. But I tried to play it once and just couldn't hear anything. There was you just it was just so much surface noise you couldn't hear anything. And I didn't grab that either. And I wish now that I had. Oh um, wow! Yeah, it was. Uh, here, well, you know, you guys know this story. That on the last day of the estate sale, some guy from Louisville who had a hook for a left hand bought the record collection for like a nickel a piece or something. Right. Yeah, because he came by the first day and they recorded a piece. He goes, I'm not even going to look at him for that price. I'm like, okay, take your hook and go home. But he came back the last day and he bought and he bought the rest of them. So, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, she had it, you know, she had Collage on 78. She had that on 78. And she had Elvis's um, Baby Let's Play House on 78. And the flip side of that was You're Right, I'm Left, She's Gone. You guys remember that song? I remember the name. I don't remember the song. Yeah, yeah. Those are my two favorite early early Elvis songs. Yeah, she had that too. She had a a seventy eight of Patience and Prudence singing Tonight You Belong to Me. You guys remember that? You uh, played that. I remember I you played remember. that. Yeah, yeah. You I played, played that, that on, on your radio. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. that one. I hadn't thought about that until you played it. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, yes, and I don't know if she saw. I don't know if she saw Hank Williams or not. I believe she did. Did she ever tell you, like, did she at any time, oh, hey, I saw this person, I saw this person? No, I mean, I imagine she did. But sometimes, I swear, I think I was ADD when I was a kid. But uh, there were some times when she'd get into telling stories and I would just be focused mm-hmm. and hear everything, especially when she'd talk about growing up and doing mm-hmm. different things. And then other times she would just kind of mention things off the cuff and it didn't really sink in. So I remember her talking about Minnie Pearl, Mm -hmm. um, Elvis, Grandpa Jones. So I don't, I, I, it seems to me she did see Hank Williams, but I can't say that for sure. Now. So here's, maybe you can set me straight on this. As far as the Elvis story is, she went backstage to meet him, right? Yeah. But she didn't. That's what I understand. No, I've heard two stories. One is that she didn't because 
he was standing by himself and she got real nervous for some reason, which I can't imagine mom. Mom would chew out a mall Santa. I don't know why she'd get nervous around seeing all this. Pre- but anyway, then the other story was that he was surrounded by girls, so she didn't get a chance to talk to him. All I know is, <laughs> you know, all I know is she said when she saw him, they had never heard, really heard him, heard of him. Maybe they'd heard songs, but they'd never seen him. And he came out on stage and she had never seen him before. And she was like, holy cow, he is good looking. <laughs> yeah. You know, and of course, mom probably was 16, 17, 17 at the time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But, and I'm not well, sure who was with her, but, you know, her cousins were probably with her. And I think, you know, you often hear, you would often hear her tell stories about doing stuff with her cousins, um, Jeanette and... Uh, I don't remember who the other other one was. Oh, that's Probably terrible. Blind. Yeah, I am too. But they were those three went everywhere. They were in dance classes together. They high school together. They did stuff together. I mean, basically, the whole Kirkbride clan moved up there, you know, mm-hmm. to Akron um, from uh, West Virginia. But the, I just remember, that's all I remember is that she said she saw him on stage and thought, wow, he is good looking. And I never heard the backstage trying to, you know, I, although I know she did that because she got signatures from mm-hmm. performers, but I don't remember that. Story. Did you ever see the autograph book? I never mm-hmm. saw it. Oh, you once. did? I've seen it once or twice. Yeah. I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. I think Kathy has it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's, I it's thought a, it. I thought it disappeared. I hope not. You know, here's the sad thing. There was, you know, I wasn't there when you guys were clearing out a lot of stuff. And so some things I kind of got and didn't realize, like I didn't realize I had as much of dad's business history uh, until I went through things after the fact. But I don't remember that one. I do have uh, an old photo album that mom and dad had and in it were the black and whites that dad had from Iwo Jima and also um, some black and whites of Kathy and I when we were infants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I know that I have seen that book, but I don't know what happened to it. Do you, remember, I had, any, do you remember any of the signatures? I remember seeing Minnie Pearl's signature in there. I think, no, no wait a minute, you know, there were signatures in there that I did not know who they were. But it seems to me that. Uh, the price tag was for Minnie Pearl. Yeah. That might, yeah. Because <laughs> she had a bunch of them. Those are the type of them I've given to people. That'd be a Instead question for Kathy. That'd be no. a question for Kathy. We need to get them on here at some point. Yep. Yeah. I'll have to come over to the house and you guys can talk to them for an evening. Get them for a podcast. That'd be a blast. Yeah. We'd all be laughing so hard we'd be crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or we'd be crying so hard we'd be laughing. That's the other thing we could yeah, do. Yeah. But uh, so. Um, okay. So the next one is another one that Jay suggested. This is um, Roger no, Miller's. What, I'm sorry. I didn't suggest this one. Oh, no. Mike did. I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mike, you want to talk about it? Oh, I, I just think that this is a, a, and I'm not a fan of country music, really. 
Yeah, I'm not either. But I just think that this is really a classic country music song. In fact, I've I've got a short list of country music songs, country music songs on my Amazon in an Amazon playlist. And this is one of them. Roger Miller's King of the Road. Trailer for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes Ah, but two hours of pushing broom Buys a 8 by 12 four-bit room I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Third boxcar, midnight train Destination banger, Maine suit and shoes I don't pay no union dues I smoke old stogies I have found short but not too big around I'm a man of means by no means king of the road I know you know what's odd about that so if you listen to the lyrics it's I'm a man of means by no means king of the road yeah. So, way to, oh, yeah, did that yeah. so basically what he's saying is he's not king of the road. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or if you put the comma in the other place, he's a man of means by no means. In other words, he has no means. Oh, okay. I see what you're he's, saying. Yeah. He's king of the road in the sense that that's all he's got. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know. Oh. means by no means. Yeah. Well, you know, it's also interesting to me about this song is it's as much jazz as it is country music. Cause he, yeah. He's got that stand-up jazzy bass. Then he's yeah. got the finger snaps, which is almost like a beatnik thing. Yeah. You know, this came out oh. in the early 60s, I think. Right. So and the beatniks were still around, but this was just after the beatnik era and pre-Beatles. So there's a little bit of a beatnik jazz vibe to it, which right. I always really like. It's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's a great tune. Yeah, I'm not I've, I'm not a country music fan either, but um, but those early Elvis records are almost country, and I liked Hank Williams, and you know, so um, a, uh, and Johnny uh, Cash. So there's a version of this um, by Randy Travis, and oh, he'd have a good voice for that. Was it Josh Hunt or somebody? I can't remember the other country music artist name. Josh Turner. If you ever get a chance, they they do it live somewhere, but it's Josh Turner and and Randy Travis doing this song, and it's really good. They do you know, really- you know who else did a version of it was REM. <laughs> they, they did it as a B side to a single, and it's actually really good. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. it's in REM style, but they were kind of a they started out as like a almost like a eighties version of like a folk rock band. Uh-huh. Um. But with like really obscure lyrics and Michael Michael Stipe pretty much mumbled his way for the first couple of albums. But they did that as a B-side to a single. And it's on an album called, um, <laughs> it's it's an album of like B-sides and compilation tracks and unreleased stuff. It's called Dead Letter Office. <laughs> oh, my word. Yeah, and it's on That's there. Great. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah, in fact, they do a version of uh, Toys in the Attic by Aerosmith. That's on there too. <laughs> 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 it's pretty cool. 
yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a good tune. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good version of it actually. Yeah. yeah or, that Roger up. Miller in, in the original recording, I couldn't tell you the name of the album, but no, oh, I think it's actually called King of the Road. I think it's called King of the Road. Yeah. yeah. But he has such a unique voice. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I just thought that's, that's really, it's just very well done. Yeah. Well, well it, it's one of those songs you can hear the lyrics, understand the lyrics, and they're easy to remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that's true. It's and it really does kind of tell a story of, uh, about a person's life. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's very catchy. Yeah. He also did You Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd. Yes, he did. <laughs> Roger Miller did that? Yeah, yeah, he did that, yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. that was um, the other guy. Oh, Ray Stevens? Is that who you're thinking no. of? No. Oh, I can see his face. I can't remember his name. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was it's just an interesting. I uh, can't roller skate in the Buffalo. It's, it, that's instant death, pretty much, if you think about yeah. it. <laughs> and who, uh, you know, it's funny. Who, who, who were the two banjo players that did a cover of this? Mom had that album too. What was the name? Oh, good grief. It'll come to me. But I actually heard them do a cover of it. That was the first time I heard the song. You can't banjo? roller skate in the well, banjo and guitar. Um, You're not thinking of Homer and Jethro, are you? Yes, Homer and Jethro. guitar, and didn't the other guy play a mandolin or something? It like might that? have been a mandolin, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, that sounds like something they would have done. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to me they did a version of uh, You Can't Roller Skate in a Buffalo Herd. Um, you guys want to move on to the next one? Sure. Okay. Let's do it. Okay, this is uh, Mike's. This is yours. This is Herp Alpert, A Taste of Honey. Let's play it, and then you can talk oh, yeah. about it. Where did you first? I mean, you heard now you heard mom play that song, right, Mike? Um, I just remember that album growing up, especially being played before I even started school. Mm -hmm. And I can remember going into the dining room when that was being played because she would have the album sitting out on the dining room table. Mm -hmm. I just remember, you know, being like four or five years old going and picking up a copy of Herb Alpert, Herb Alpert's Whipped Cream and Other Delights. And uh -huh. seeing this woman covered with with grave thinking, huh? Yeah. And then, and then Mike's when I was first like eight crush. or nine years old, thinking, "Wow, she's really hot." You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, what? I just play that up again. Yeah. <laughs> so I was at. Uh, I got to tell you a story. One of my students has a a small record store 
up uh, Highway 111 in a, uh, a, a flea market, a giant flea market. And I found a copy of that album. And I pulled this up. And I'm like, yeah, I got to buy this. You know, he just kind of looks at me like, okay. You know, <laughs> you you know the, you an know. album with a lady covered in whipped cream. Yeah, I guess you could do that. You're an adult. But you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, my first thing out of my mouth was been, are you old enough to even sell this album? Do you know? <laughs> he's, he's got a, a, a record shop called Tiger Bike Records in a, here in Middle Tennessee. Called and, what? Uh, he's he it's called Tiger Bike Records. Okay. Yeah. And uh he's he's you know, he he plays he's got everything, you know, uh hard rock to you know soundtrack music, which is mostly what I'll look for. I'll look for Abba John Denver and, and uh soundtrack music, and I just happened to come across that uh um whipped cream album. I thought, well, this takes me back, and I'll buy this <laughs> when I was five years old. Well, you know what other ever, you know what one of the other records of moms that I did grab was Fred Rose plays the stripper and other family favorites. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know whose family that would be a favorite in, but hmm. but that yeah. didn't had an interesting cover. I grabbed that, you know, that's funny. Oh jeez. <laughs> but you know, you were talking about beatniks a little while ago, you know, and a lot of this stuff kind of you know, there was this kind of transition period. You're right, where you kind of come out of the 50s and the country music of the 60s, or country music of the 50s, which is becoming the rock music of the 60s. But it all started out as some version of country and R&B, and you kind of have this transition period. But then the beatniks sort of stood alone, mm -hmm. in my opinion, in the style of music. You were talking about that a little while ago, and the first thing that crossed my mind was the only time I ever heard anything played in a beatnik style in a coffee shop was in an episode of the Munsters. <laughs> oh. And Herman gets up there with a bong, bongos, and he's Mary. I think it, Mary had a little lamb or something. He does some weird, you know, yes, and I thought, I remember that. what is this all about? You know, I remember thinking, <laughs> So when you talk about odd stuff, I mean, that was odd to me. And the fact that, yeah, you're right. They had that album, you know, the stripper and other family favorites. And then, and then of course, Herb Alpert, but Herb Alpert and Tijuana Brass were great. Oh yeah. I, yeah, I love were. their music. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he owns, he's partial owner of A&M records. A is Alpert. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And M is Joe Moss or something like he's part owner of A&M records. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But, That's uh, cool. Well, actually, I've actually got a, an extra song I'm going to play at the end of another song of his, which hopefully we'll have time for. But uh, uh, yeah, we have time for it, right? You, you've got, you'll have about four hours to edit here. You made, it might be a two-parter. might be a mini-series. <laughs> well, I was thinking that after we get done with this, I was going to say we should do a follow-up episode titled uh, Music Our Mom Listened To, Which We Really Wish She'd Hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> It would be a tribute to Razzie Bailey. <laughs> oh. Or I remember, you know, Jay, you remember that song, uh, The Music Goes Round and Round, Ho, 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 Ho. Homer and Jethro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. I guess, I don't know who told me this story. Maybe it was you. But one year you had the stomach flu and mom kept playing that song over and over oh. again. That's yeah. reason enough to hate Homer and Jethro. Mom can't play that. That was, that was, it, there was that song and uh, The Lime and the Coconut. 
Oh, and, by Nilsson. Yeah. 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 And oh, my stomach was bothering me. And that song came on and it was like five o'clock in the morning. I hadn't thrown up. I was determined I was not going to throw up, but I was also not going to school. I can tell you right now. Cause I, and I was in high school, high school. I, I was either a, I might've been in ninth grade, but it, which around here is high school. But you know, when we grew up, ninth grade was, was still junior, junior high. high school. Yeah, yeah. So I don't remember if I was ninth, 10th, maybe 11th, but I remember I woke up in the middle of the night and just, Oh, you know, and I, you were asleep. Mike was asleep and I'm laying there suffering and I've turned the radio, turned on my little transistor radio and I'm listening to it. And that song came on and I thought, if I don't shut that off, I'm going to hurl. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot I'll tell you what, it was a long time. I think that's to this day. That's why I don't like coconut. Yeah. Just, I can understand the, that. The yeah. thought of that just gagged me. But uh, maybe you, you put your lime in your coconut. You tell me if you're. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what song I was always creeped me out was, and it's in you know it's the first song I played on that episode, was the theme to Ebb Tide with those oh, singles yeah. and that yeah. that that used to scare the living daylights out of me, and I I don't know why because that kind of stuff, like I think sound effects and songs now was really kind of cool, you know, it kind of adds to a song, but back then that really creeped me out. Yeah, <laughs> made I, me feel like I was I, drowning. I had not heard that in years, and so when you played that, I thought I would have never known the t- the title of that song, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, that track, whatever. But yeah, I, I remembered that. It's yeah. it's kind of sad, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, a somber, sad music. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Herb Alpert, yeah, he owns, he's part owner of AM Records. So there you go. So for those of you keeping score at home, um, let's see what, oh, this next one. I always love this song. I'm going to play it and then I'll talk about it. is dave baby cortez with the happy organ i haven't heard that in years yeah i don't think i've ever heard that oh god mom used to play that all she used to play another organ player by the name of lenny d Mm -hmm. and um i don't think he ever did that song but he did a bunch of other things that she used to play and there's one song i can't remember what it was called but he got to the end of the song and they'd say okay one more time here we go and he he played the end of the song again he did that like eight or nine times and (laughs) I don't remember the name of the song goes, but that always really irritated me. It's like, can't he just stop playing that song? <laughs> <laughs> can't you just stop? Just stop. It's funny. You silly. Stop. It's funny. You mentioned that. I can hear him saying that, 
but I cannot hear the music of the song in my head. Uh, it goes da 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 da. It's like a he's an organ player, but he's got like a big band behind him, pretty much. That's kind of what it sounds like. But I I don't know what the name of the song is. But but yeah, yeah, I always love that that happy organ though. It's kind of based on Shorten and Bread, which is an old folk song. But um, but yeah, I always really liked that song. I always thought it was really cool. What's interesting to me about that kind of stuff is this is also pre Beatles, right? Because once they came along, playing the organ was out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pretty much, you know. And uh, but yeah, so it was uh, this is the kind of stuff that they would play. You know, that was like a, it was a big hit. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad somebody other than me remembers that song. I do. I remember it. Um, oh, here's another one that you guys, I'm you. I, you have to remember this. I know, Jay. I know you have to remember. Yep, this. I do. Some glad morning when this life is low, I'll fly away, fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away, fly away, fly away. I'll fly away, fly away, oh glory. Chuck Wagon Gang. Chuck Wagon Gang, yeah. And there's and oops, no. Dang on, I missed it again. I'm a great DJ. Um, yeah, they you know, they're still around. I think it's like relative, it's not the original, because those are guys are originally from the 40s, I think. Right. Uh, but yeah, mom had well, there's a bunch of those records, but mom, I remember mom having two or three of them. Um the and Chuck all, Wagon Gang. Chuck Wagon Gang, yeah, and there was like they were standing like inside of a barn and that like like one guy had overalls on and one one girl looked like she wore a skirt that she had made herself you know but yeah i mean yeah i remember hearing that stuff hearing that song a lot when we were growing up i so. do too and it's funny that's the only song i really remember from that album yeah me and, too you know and mom didn't play I, I don't remember dad playing religious music at all mom played some this was one of the things that she played but um you know, it, obviously it goes back to, I would think, I would bet that that music came out of as much, came out of as much from what her mom, grandma, and grandpa listened to, mm -hmm. you know, in the early days of radio. That's what I was just going to say. She probably heard it on the radio a lot yeah, when she was yeah, growing up. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's yeah. very Appalachian. It is. It seems to me to be. Yeah. yeah, I have noticed that. Um, this is a side note, but I've noticed that hymns. <laughs> Much of this podcast is a side note. <laughs> <laughs> I've noticed that um, hymns, many traditional hymns in um, churches of Christ down here in Middle Tennessee, 
are more Appalachian. I, at least I think that's that's what they remind me of. But if you go up north into Ohio, maybe a little less so. Yes, and, and I could be wrong about that, but uh, but when I when I listen to this song, that's that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Appalachian gospel uh, music. I I would say that that's true because I, it seems to me that you know. I guess I think about it like this, that there's there's similar, because it is Appalachian, it is country, there was a lot of similar style in some of the music that would come out of Tennessee, Kentucky, West mm-hmm. Virginia. Yeah. Um, if you, if things come, other things may be coming out of the Deep South, probably had a different sound. You know, I never associated even today certain country sounds to me that maybe you know the performer or group comes out of georgia or comes out of mississippi or they're just each region has a distinctive sound and you get into canton akron or akron canton akron is very much a blend of country music canton on the other hand was kind of like this rock city in some ways Mm -hmm. yeah and uh yeah well i think mom's family has a lot of appalachian relatives mm-hmm. i think the kirk brides do because right. i mm-hmm. think they're all from west virginia i think yep. yeah so yeah so Scottish. i wouldn't yeah so it wouldn't surprise me if there was a lot of like, appalachian in, in her family right. that would make a lot of sense so. which might explain all of our tempers yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, I wouldn't do that. Nah, 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 nah. You know, I yeah. remember asking mom and dad, what are we? And they would say, we're German and Irish. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I remember being told. But I, I, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, wait a minute, Kirkbride is more, is it Irish or is it Scottish? Uh, and, and I wasn't really clear yeah. in my mind. And then, you know, Carmen is very definitely Irish. And um, no, I was told but, it was Swedish. No, we actually come from, we actually come from Cork County. If you look at uh, Bruce's oh, research, really? yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. And yet the name Carmen sounds Spanish. Well, it's because it's mis- it's actually misspelled and pronounced, mispronounced. Yeah. The original name was Cromer, uh, Cromer, Cromer, Chromine. I covered that on my blog actually somewhere. Great. Um, Cremine is another variation. I actually ran it. Yeah, I actually ran it. Saw somebody, saw a blogger whose last name was Cremine, C-R-E-M-E-E-N. So anytime you see C-R-O-M-I-N-E, C-R-E-M-E-E-N, C-R-O-M-E-R, those are all variant spellings of the original name, whatever it was, and we came over on the boat in the 1600s. I thought it was Carmine. At one time it was. It was, yeah. But that's actually a, another variation of the spelling and pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And and somewhere, I remember Dad telling me that uh, not his dad's generation, but the, his, his grandfather's generation, somebody got mad, changed the spelling to Carmen to dis- disassociate themselves from the Carmine line. But originally we were all Carmine. Hmm. And so that's a variant of Carmine. 
and but that's a very Irish thing, right? Yeah, very Irish. So where's where's our what's where's our German heritage? Where's that from? I mean, where's that in our lineage, as it were? Just probably other. I don't think in our family the Irish didn't necessarily marry the Irish. You know, German mm-hmm. was a very very common. There are just a lot of people, you know, from the Germanic countries in the States. So I just think we just have acquired that part of the lineage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Up next, we have, let's see if you guys can remember this. Jay, you probably wouldn't, Mike. I don't know if you will or not. Yep. I bet this got played in skating rinks. I think it did, yeah. In dance classes. You know who that is, right? Enoch Light. Enoch Light. He was from Maslin. I did not know that. Yeah, I just from Yeah, yeah. So was Marilyn Manson, for those of you keeping score at home. I did know uh, that. <laughs> but yeah, my this friend of mine, Michael Toth, who's... <laughs> I am a professional. I do uh, one of the uh, my friend Michael Toth, who's one of the DJs on luxury music, he does. He hasn't done it in a couple of years because of the pandemic, but he does like an Enoch Light night. Once a year, he gets he hires a club and does an Enoch Light night. Oh, so, uh, yeah, 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 he's a big Enoch Light fan. Um, but uh, yeah, he was on Command Records. He's one of the I don't know if he's the first, but he was one of the first people to record in stereo. And I don't know if you remember this, but you know, you would, it was a gatefold cover, so you'd open them. There'd be this long explanation about what kind of mics they use, what frequency they recorded at, where they were placed in the studio. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, and it was this big, long, there's be like diagrams and stuff, you know, because stereo was a new thing back then, you know. So, that, which is why, you know, those instruments are panned extreme left and right when you listen to it. And, you know, so it was a new thing. So, it was exciting to hear stuff coming from both ends of the room, which, you know, people weren't used to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, Mike, do you remember that? Do you remember, do you remember I that? I do song? remember that. Oh, song. okay, okay. Yeah. Now, Enoch Light, that's the same. Enoch Light and the Light Brigade, right? And the Light Brigade, yeah, they, yeah. They didn't actually start out as big band, did they? Um, like in I the forties? So. No, no. I oh, they okay. did come around to the fifties, I think. Yeah. Okay. Although I think he was a band. I think I think he was either a band leader or he was in a band in the forties. 
Okay. So he started out earlier, but yeah, but he wound up, you know, having his own band in the fifties and sixties and stuff. So yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I did not know they were from Maslin. Yeah, I always thought Maslin. it was an an interesting name, Enoch Light. Mm-hmm. Light yeah, I don't know if that's his real name. I I have no idea, but uh, I guess I have to Google that. But uh, yeah, he's from Maslin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I got one more. Do you guys want me to play it? Sure. Why sure. not? Bonus track. Uh, yeah, let's check. Uh, and it's an unlisted bonus track. This is a seaside. <laughs> this is the seaside. Yeah, <laughs> non non album B side. I can't even find it. Hold on a second. Um, okay, here we go. Herb Albert. Herb Albert. Yeah. You see this guy. This guy's in love with you Yes, I'm in love Who looks at you the way I do When you smile I can tell we know each other Very well How can I show you I'm glad I got to know you Cause I've heard some talk They say you think I'm fine Yes, I'm in love And what I do to make you mine Tell me now Is it so Don't let me be The last to know My hand I shake let My heart That's the best I can fit it out. So I have not heard that in years. Yeah, yeah. I haven't either. I've yeah. heard that. I, it's been a long time since I've heard that song. As far as I know, that's the only single he put out that he ever sang on. Uh, and he's got a really good voice. Actually. He does have a good voice. And actually, it made hit radio. Yeah, it did. It was one of his uh, biggest hits. That came out in 69, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it's a great song. It's one of it's, my favorite. It's I think it's my favorite Herb Alpert song. The Lonely Bull is on this CD too, which is a cool song. Seems to me it's been covered by some other people, but I always thought he had the. And it's interesting, he's a brass player, right? Yeah, trumpet? he's a trumpet player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and there's very little i mean there's horns in there but it's that's not the feature of the song right right and typically his stuff always had a very brass sound to it mm-hmm. yeah and, uh, very brass very uh, were they mexican a mexican band or just a south of the border band i i don't know i i have, I have no idea to be honest with you um, I always thought, I mean, it always had kind of a Latin American or South of the Water flavor mm-hmm. to it. I was never sure. That's definitely not a, Herb Alpert is not a South of the Border name. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, true. Yeah. But it was great, great music, great song. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. So I think it's my favorite Herb Alpert song, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. I just but, looked uh, on, on Wikipedia and he's still alive. Yeah. I think 40, he's still performing, actually. Born in 35? Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, I think he's still performing. 87. Yeah. Well, McCartney's 80, so... Yeah. And Dylan, he's, I think he's 110. No, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> but he's up there. He's probably in his 80s, yeah. You know, he still huh. tours. So is McCartney, so... Good grief, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His The thing about... I saw a recent... Uh, clip of him playing live his voice is shot pretty much at this point yeah uh, just because he plays live so much if he had if he'd stopped touring six seven years ago he'd still have a voice although his mccartney three album is really good i don't know if you've heard it but it's mm-hmm. it's really good it's a good album you know we were talking about abba earlier have you heard their latest album called voyage have you heard that yeah yeah, yeah. um it's pretty melancholy there's only one or two upbeat songs on there but they sound great they sound better than they ever did yeah just as good as they ever did yeah yeah did you see the uh, virtual present the virtual concert no no uh, i would love to have seen that Um, it was i saw the preview clips for it because they did that one song maybe two songs and i honestly thought at first was like what am i looking at you know i i thought they cannot look that good they can't mm-hmm. look that young. And then there were a couple places where I thought, okay, this is this is artificial, but but the voices did sound really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is I mean, that is then singing now. I mean, yeah. that's how what they sound like now. Um, but there is a publicity picture of them in the suits so that they mm-hmm. can capture them virtually. Have you seen that picture? Yeah. yeah. I th- it looks like they were playing paintball. <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Must have been a really intense game. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, I see. It's for the CGI thing. But, uh, yeah. yeah, but then after that album came out, Bjorn Olvea says, well, we have officially broken up. Because, you know, they never announced that they did. Right. Well, now we have officially broken up. But then Frida, you know, the redhead goes, well, I don't know. Don't 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 say you know never say never or whatever you know so who knows there might be new music at some point but of course it was 40 years since the last record so they gotta be in their 70s Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Yeah. not that much older than me 10 years older than me but yeah yeah Yeah, i thought it was really outstanding that they could get back together and sing so well Mm -hmm. yeah after having not recorded together and you know like yeah 35 40 years yeah yeah. they did not recently re-release dancing queen or anything did they um uh, you know i don't know those albums have been reissued in multiple formats over the years including like like they just reissued them in a box set in different colored vinyl and stuff like that they're basically doing you know they're basically doing like what queen's done they're just reissuing everything all the time i asked that because i was actually at uh 
football practice with, uh, you know, for Gabe Tuesday night, this past Tuesday. And we were on a, an outdoor field at the high school on a practice field. And over on the main field, they had a big soccer game going on. And in between, I don't know how it worked out. They were playing just music. And they started playing, they had played like something country and something this and something that. And all of a sudden, Dancing Queen came on. And I remember I was sitting there with, you know, Sammy and all these other adults were around in chairs and stuff. And all I'm serious, all of us looked at each other at the same time. I'm like, what are they playing? Why, why is there, what kind of, what's going on over there? Because none of the music, they were all different genres. And I was listening to it and I thought, you know what? That sounds like ABBA, but it doesn't sound like ABBA. Hmm. And I, th I wondered if somebody else had covered it or if it had been re-released by them. Um, it's been covered in the past, I know. Yeah. Um, there is an ABBA tribute band, isn't there? There's a lot of them. There's, yeah, yeah. There's one. <laughs> the most famous ABBA tribute band is called Bjorn Again. Yes. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> Bjorn Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, the band Eraser did an EP called uh, ABBA-esque or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would be great if ABBA did an Eraser disc called Eraser-ish. You, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier that the or reason... the Abbatizers, that would be a cool name. Abbatizers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's, oh. that's, that's actually pretty good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that the reason I, uh, I remember the song by the Everly brothers, all I have to do is dream. Mm -hmm. The reason I remember that was because it kind of struck this chord with me that, you know, and I would never tell anybody for years that I was a romantic and, uh, oh, we all knew it. So don't worry. I know everybody <laughs> knew it from me. We knew it from day one. Jay. I just wouldn't time. tell. And I, I, you hope it is romantic. You, know? <laughs> you and your romance. Sad, <laughs> sad state of, I, I, I remember, but, but ABBA, because they had this kind of, and I remember reading this one time, there's their music does have a particular tone to it. Mm -hmm. And I cannot remember how it was described, but I realized that that was it, it appealed to me for the same reason. Mm -hmm. um, so you had romantic dreams of being in a roller skating rink, right? No, no. <laughs> you know what? I this is Disco true. Tech, this, maybe <laughs> this is true though. Three times, you and Olivia and John. Yeah. No, uh, three times. Well, those mine work. Come on, no, 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 no. This is the truth. This is probably tune away, kids. Listen to something. Seven else. years ago, seven, eight years ago, when I was still working at the plastics company, I remember telling the guy and one of the guys I worked with in sales. I said, "Doggone it!" I said. I had another one of those dreams. He started laughing at me and he goes, you mean the one of the ones where you get up on stage and sing with uh, uh, the Osmond family? Yes. <laughs> that was a recurring dream. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> and I oh, cannot remember great. the name of the song now, but it happened twice. I got, and I literally, I would come from backstage and get up between Donnie and Marie, and the whole family was up there. We're just singing away. And I would He's wake up. the country and a little bit of rock and roll. It wasn't that one. But I remember waking up, singing, humming half to myself, thinking, this is the most embarrassing dream I think I've ever had. I can see the billboard. It's, it's Donnie Marie, the Osmonds, and Jay. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you know, there is a Jay Osmond. There is I mean, a Jay Osmond, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there is a Jay Osmond, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I had like I've never really had the only kind of dreams I ever had like that was I did have a dream recently where I was talking to Paul McCartney about how he made his first record or something. It was just like a casual thing, like, oh yeah, I didn't know like it was plucked in the back. I didn't use a mixing mixing bowl, no that kind of stuff. <laughs> but then I had another dream where um oh I forgot, I can't remember it now. Oh, oh! I, I was there was this band from England I like called XTC, and the bass player is Colin Molding. I remember having this dream where I was talking to him about how he played the bass part to the theme to uh, to the Bill Cosby Show, which he didn't play. <laughs> how do you play that? He was playing it. I was like, but in reality, he didn't play that song. He never played that. So. <laughs> So it was like it was like a it was like a rock star dream, but like a very avant garde one. Yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this dream makes no sense, but I know it doesn't. Really yeah, funny. it's a good story. It's a good story. It makes no oh, sense. Oh, but I'm serious. Funny. I had like three. I dreamt that like three times in like a few months. I don't and, think I've ever dreamt about musicians. At least not not that I can not that I can remember. Well, I'll just have to go to bed tonight and have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose if you drink warm milk with a little bit of salt in it, you have like really interesting dreams, I guess. <laughs> of course, if you eat Chinese before you go to bed, you probably have really interesting dreams too. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, we probably have nightmares. But uh, do you remember, I, this is one of my earliest, since you were off topic, one of my early, <laughs> one of my early yeah, yeah, this will be a whole other episode. One of my earliest dreams I can remember is this was us probably in junior high school. And I dreamt that I was being chased by Bigfoot and he grabbed he caught me to grab my arm and I woke up, my arm was between the bed and the wall. <laughs> I'm not that's a true that's story. Great. Yeah. I was like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember a couple times. Um, I'm trying to remember what years we shared a room together, but we had bunk beds. And you, um, I think you woke up in the middle of the night, you had a bad dream or something, and you like kicked the the bottom of my bed, which was, mm -hmm. you know, above you. And I just remember going, what was that? <laughs> Ray kicking the bed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, kids, you tell stuff like that, they just they don't understand it. But, uh, <laughs> bunk bed, what the hell is that? Yeah, but, really. Uh, yeah, but, uh, well, I do think we should do a follow-up episode called Music We Wish Our, Our Mother Had Never Listened To. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Razzie Bailey. Number two, Razzie Bailey. Number three, Razzie Bailey. <laughs> and I also remember a record she had. It was like one of those cheap dollar store records. And it was it was like campfire songs and they were done in like medleys. So it's like, Michael, really about it? Sure. And then it would be, you know, she'll be coming around the mountain and crap like that. Between every song they'd clap and cheer real and they'd ring cowbells really loud. <laughs> and mom played it at 11, as they say in <laughs> spinal tap. And it's like, at 11, like, at 11, like, like 11 o'clock at night. Like, no, and like volume 11. I mean, oh, it was just okay. like, <laughs> 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 did you ever see Spinal Tap? You got to see that. This no, is this one yeah. amp. It goes, see, everybody else's amp goes up to 10, but mine goes up to 11. It goes one louder. 
<laughs> and then one part of the film they were supposed to play Stonehenge. You know, like, so are we oh, playing Stonehenge tomorrow night? You know, that is hilarious. And the model comes down behind them, and they wanted this big scale thing, and it comes down to something about that high. Oh it's one of the first mockumentaries ever made and it is yeah. so funny. It oh my gosh, it's so funny. <laughs> one of the look best on the one guy's ever. face when he realizes that the model is only, you know, a couple a of feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the other guitar players goes, It's a fine line between clever and stupid. <laughs> 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 it's one of the best movies ever made. It is so fun. It is oh my funny. God. It is funny. <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have to go hunt that up. Oh my goodness! She also played a piano player named Big Tiny Little. Do you remember that? It was like no. silent music on the piano. It's called Big Tiny Little, and is you know he looked like um he had like a checkered suit on a bowler hat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it, you know, we all have, have we all have eclectic tastes, you know. But Mom's was like, on one hand, Beatles, Elvis, Hank Williams. On the other hand, Big Tiny Little. I mean, it was just such a yeah. this bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it's not just eclectic; like that's two different planets, you know. I mean, it was just really. She had like but, a lot. But of you know like, what? You know, you inherited that. I mean, that's why. On the one hand, you listen to. Um, you know, the monkeys and the Beatles on the one hand and then the residents on the other. Right, right. That's true. You know, I mean, those that's are, true, that's true, it's I like two so. different galaxies. It is, it is pretty much two different galaxies. <laughs> Giant eyeballs. Ah! <laughs> I think well, that will make a great Halloween costume for me to show up at school. Wearing a <laughs> and a top hat and a cane, you know, like that. Oh, like, it gives me like, who is that? Well, you know, the original idea that for that was supposed weird. to have been uh, almost like, according to the doc, they showed in the documentary, they did a drawing of it. The original idea was supposed to be like these metallic spherical orbs that uh -huh. reflected whatever they were standing in. It was like a mirror or something. But they couldn't be made, plus they'd suffocate. <laughs> so, <laughs> so somebody it came up with the residence. guy that the guy that did the original eyeballs worked for Industrial Light and Magic, and he did it on his own time. Uh, I, and they interview him in the documentary. It's it's pretty cool. It's oh yeah, <laughs> you know the eye the the veins I used like little bits of rubber and stuff. And I th think the original eyeballs he used like beach balls or something like that, and and cut them out and stuff like that. I yeah. Forgot. Have you seen that documentary? Um, the light it's called light and magic it's on disney plus no uh -uh. And it's a story of ilm mm -hmm. seven seven one hour episodes i just watched it last week it's wow. actually fascinating and they talk about some of the work these guys did i don't remember the i it's funny i don't remember them talking about doing the eyeball for the residents but it seems to me that in when they're because they have footage from these guys way back into the 70s mm -hmm. so they talk to them then they talk to them or they talk to them now and have footage from things that they did back then. It seems to me in one of the shots, there's a mock-up or something in the background because they did everything. Mm -hmm. Once they yeah, did they Star did. Wars, you know, they actually, one of the guys, John Dix, uh, Dykstra, who was head of ILM at the time, 
when he produced the first Star Wars, then he went on to do the the models for uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I would like to see that. I bet that's an interesting document. It is interesting. It yeah. is interesting. Yeah. They go all the way up to the present where they use the, you know, they have the place now that they do, uh, they did the effects for the Mandalorian in called the volume, which is literally a 360 degree stage and overhead. And it's all m monitors. Uh -huh. yeah, like so, a giant cur curb. Yeah. And they, they, television, yeah. yeah, it's amazing what they can do. But I digress, but yeah. Well, that'll just be a, a later episode title. Yeah. Well, I, mom I, really I, had like um, she she had um, a lot of like budget albums from budget labels. That's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Right. And I don't know if it's just something like, you know, because at some point she stopped buying Beatles records. I don't know if it's because she lost interest in them or or what. But um, or maybe she didn't have time. Maybe they didn't have the money. I don't know. But is that a lot of that stuff she had? It looked like she might have picked up in a grocery store or something. You know what I'm saying? Like budget yeah. albums that we put in for sale in grocery stores and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, not even that. Not even that. Just like really budget guy. Because K tell stuff is that's like original artists and stuff. This oh. is like this is like you know faceless anonymous organ players and stuff and you know there's a whole there's a whole market for that stuff now there's a whole niche of like you know budget albums and stuff like that um there's a documentary on was it cornet records i've never seen it. it's only about 45 minutes long but i've seen trailers for it and the one guy was like yeah you know when they made the vinyl who knows what that vinyl was made of they did you know i don't know if he was joking or if he was absolutely serious but there'd be like you know parts of plastic pens in the vinyl and stuff when they were when they were mixing up the vinyl to press those records that's how cheap that label was i don't wow. know if that's true or not and uh. i don't remember if it's cornet records or not but there is a <laughs> But yeah, just whatever plastic they had on hand had laying around at that the plant that day. Yeah, I mean it was just yeah, it was really cheap, really cheap, huh. a, a really cheap label. But but yeah, there's a whole genre. There's a there's a whole audience for that kind of stuff now. So, mm. but uh, there's a whole audience for. Last time I was down there, and you remember that one record store you and I we drove Mike or Jay we drove about maybe half an hour away to go to. I don't remember yeah. what was that downtown. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there was um, there was a record of train sounds. I don't know if you remember that or not. No. Yeah, there's a whole record of like, well, this is the uh, railroad line from Chicago to you know, and there was like. A, there's a whole album of like these train sounds from like different lines in different parts of the country and stuff like there's a whole subgenre of people that are into that. We have one of the Akron police officers that comes to the library. Um, he gets out DVDs on trains and stuff all the time. There's a whole, there's a whole subgenre of people that are into that kind of stuff. I mean, it could be worse, could be crack, but I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, there's, there's albums of that kind of stuff. I almost picked it up just to see what it was like. But yeah, there's albums of you, you like you like check eBay and stuff. There's there's albums for sale on, and some of them because they're rare, I guess they're worth a lot of money. But there's a whole albums of, you know, different train lines from yeah. So, hmm. mom didn't have any of those, but <laughs> but. <laughs> what you else do what? you guys? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say that just reminds me that you know they're. 
you and I talked about doing this uh, several years ago, and we just never did. We need to sit down and record some of the stuff that you and I used to play. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we need to do that. Yeah, next because time we, I I use GarageBand, so and it's pretty easy to. Mm -hmm. I have know. it on my Mac. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just started playing again about six weeks ago. I haven't played in ten years. So I, uh, I actually bought an acoustic about a year ago. Um, did you? Uh, an acoustic Yamaha with a with an electric pickup in it. So mine doesn't have a pickup. I'd have to be right up on the blue mic here. But well, mine you can do that too. But it's like the first actually really really nice acoustic I think I've ever had. Yeah. I think I paid about two hundred for it, which is actually really cheap. But it's nice. It's a nice little guitar. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to do that. We'll have to get together and just record some stuff. Yeah. That would be cool. Because I hadn't thought about that. I, it's true. I mean, I I think the reason I gravitated toward finger pick was. It, it really was because of the ventures, which I just thought that was really an unusual way of playing. Then, mm -hmm. you know, Les Paul, Mary Ford, um, Chet Atkins, and then later on, John Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, although, like I said, they all played on their stuff. Denver would write the songs. But then he had top-notch musicians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, yeah. Well, that whole Wrecking Crew thing, I mean, that was that was really in full force in the 60s. It was mostly American bands. Most British bands played on their own stuff. I mean, well, right. the Beatles, when they got signed, it was like, you don't have other people playing our records unless we say so. We play our own music and right. we write our own songs. That was one of their stipulations when they finally signed with, um, I guess it was Parlophone, was like, you don't get session musicians in here. We play this stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. one of their stipulations. So I think that that really threw George Martin because you know he was determined. I remember seeing a documentary about that. He got, I don't know, something happened in the, the, the studio. The record company said, "Well, you can manage these B act kind of things," you know, and <sighs> nobody ever thought that British rock would take the direction that it did. Mm -hmm. He got the Beatles, and he was determined. I'm going to make these guys sound good, and he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. One other, I did read a documentary about him. I had a, a biography about him. Um, he was having problems at EMI for some reason, and they were angry at him about something. So they kind of stuck him with the Beatles. Yeah. But then he turned him into like the world's most famous yeah. rock band. And one of the reasons why he he enjoyed it because he got along with them. He like. The first real meeting he had with them, he, he says, you know, they got done talking. He goes, is there anything you don't like? And George Harrison looks at him and says, well, I don't like your tie. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, they were always pretty, you know, witty like that. In fact, one time they were going to have this meeting with Brian Epstein and Paul was late because he was taking a bath and Epstein was furious and goes, you know, Paul's late. It goes, and George goes, yes, he's late, but he'll be very clean. <laughs> <laughs> he'll smell nice. <laughs> he'll smell nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, yeah. And they, you know, Martin knew those guys were talented, you know. Yeah. yeah. What so. year was it uh, Ringo and uh, Paul and George got together and re-recorded again? That was back in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They took two songs that John had done a demo of and then they finished right. them. Yeah. 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 That's right. And their producer was well, 
George Martin didn't do those two. Um, Jeff Lynn from ELO was the producer on those two songs. Like, oh, I think really? he plays on it, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I think like an acoustic guitar or something. Right. But, uh, but if not, I mean, he was definitely the producer of those two songs. Because George was in uh, Traveling Wilburys with Jeff Lynn. I think Jeff Lynn was in the Traveling Wilburys. Yeah, he I was. think he was, too. It was George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Jeff Lynn. Yeah. 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 And he was their That's producer, right. too. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, he did a, a great job. A lot of talent song. there. Yeah, yeah, did a did a great job on those on those two songs. But uh, have you ever seen the anth the Beatles anthology? Mm-hmm. I've seen some of it. I'm not seeing yeah. all the way through. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. It's, have you seen Get Back? It's on Disney Plus. No, is that no. any good? It's great. It's is it? it's about eight hours long altogether. It's set aside a couple of days. I mean, they're in several. Ep- there's like four or five episodes, but they're each like about two hours long. Uh, it's if you've seen the original Let It Be, which is really depressing to watch. This is the total opposite of. That. I mean, there's still like them fighting in it and stuff, but there's all this other stuff that that the original director left out of them, like goofing around and having a good time. And there's also some pretty poignant moments in there. There's a moment where because this because Lennon was heavily into heroin at that point, and he didn't show up for the studio one day, and McCartney's like visibly. In fact, they even talk in that scene about splitting up and McCartney gets like real teary eyed. And there's another scene where, and this is in let it be too, where George gets mad and he quits. But, you know, I'll see you around the clubs, lads, or whatever it was he says. But then, and nobody knew about this till years later, but Paul and John went to the commissary to get coffee or tea or something. And the director had put a microphone in the plant at the table. They sat and recorded their conversation. And Lennon was like, you know, George is really upset. We didn't even give him bandages or anything. And him and Paul are talking about how hurt George is and how bad they feel about it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, I don't know if like that's not in the original Let It Be. Nobody even known he had that that the director had done that until this came out. Hmm. There's it's really there's some parts that drag, too. But I mean, it's really it's this it's a whole separate view of, of let it be. And it's not near as depressing. In fact, at the end of it, you're thinking they could have stayed together. In fact, originally, well, let it be was recorded before Abbey road. I don't know if you knew that or not. Abbey I road did. Was actually, I yeah, did Abbey that road, because you told me. Yeah. Abbey road is actually their last record, but let it be came out after Abbey road. So, um, so in fact, it wasn't the end of the Beatles technically because they did another album, but but they did Abbey Road knowing that it was going to be the last Beatles record. Hmm. But although now even they're thinking, I mean, because like, now there's been like, you know, tape recorded conversations with the Beatles like shortly after Abbey Road came out, where they're thinking about the next record. So I don't know. I mean, it's it, who knows. Yeah. But but John had definitely wanted to quit at that point. So I don't know. But yeah, get you should see Get Back. It's it's not near as depressing. Have you ever seen Let It Be? Mm-mm. And it's, and then this was a documentary called. Yeah, Let it came out earlier this year. Okay. It came out in March. Yeah, it, was, didn't oh, Peter Jackson do it? Yes, Peter Jackson did it. Huh. And uh, um, King Kong. yeah, and and Let It Be is really depressing. The plus the, it's just not a, like the version of Let It Be I saw was like a bad print anyway, so it looks real dark and everything, but. But get back, yeah, check it out because it's really good, and it's uh, most of it is a lot of fun to watch. Actually, this this one scene where Ringo goes, "I faulted. I thought you I should let you all know." 
But um, but but uh, and there are scenes where like Paul's sitting at the piano and he's playing Another Day, which didn't come out till two years later. It was it's it was a solo song that came out around the time when Ram came out. He's like playing all these songs that he would play later on. There's a scene of him in the movie writing Get Back. He comes up with the riff to Get Back. I saw that. Watching him do it. That's one of their promo clips. They talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, and he's like, um, he's also playing, you know, Paul sitting at the piano and he's playing bits of songs that wound up on Abbey Road and stuff like that. I mean, it's really. <laughs> One thing about Paul, he's never a lack of ideas. In fact, critics have often said it's not that McCartney lacks ideas; that he has too damn many of them. I mean, yeah. seriously, he's like, and he doesn't know what to do with all of them. Um, go to Wired, you know, the magazine Wired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Wired dot com. They have a uh, streaming service. I watch it on Discovery Plus. If you go to Wired and put in his name, they had they interview him, and they do this with a lot of famous. McCartney, McCartney, McCartney's on there and Mm -hmm. it's him reading answers to all these Google questions about him. (laughs) I've seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he'll read the question and he'll answer. And one of the, one of the questions he gets asked is, did the Beatles use a click track? Well, no, we we didn't because that wasn't the thing back then. They didn't have click tracks, so we couldn't do it. But also, he says, he says also, uh, Ringo was almost never too fast or too slow. Yeah. He was almost always right on. Mm-hmm. And he said, we never had to do that. He said, but also, yeah, we never, we never, that yeah. wasn't the thing. Then somebody asked him, did we wear wigs? And he said, he said, no, we didn't wear wigs. <laughs> he goes and grabs his hair. <laughs> we don't wear wigs. And he said, he said, now, that was probably, you know, back in the day when we had longer hair and we were, you know, that was a big, that was a big to do. And he said, he said, it's probably some poor girl's father said, ah, oh, they're just wearing wigs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's a- one question. He goes, how do you ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> you have to watch it. It's, it's on Wired. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, somebody once asked George Martin if they ever used a drum machine. Well, first of all, drum machines didn't exist back then. And George Martin goes, yeah, Ringo, because he was always, always steady. Yeah. I mean, he's he's actually a – I haven't listened to the past 17 Ringo solo albums because they all suck. But as far as him being a drummer, he is really underrated. I mean, anytime I ever sit down behind a drum kit, I imitate him. I mean, if you remember the Beatles' second album had had – Roll over Beethoven on it, and she yeah. loves you. And long to, uh, lots of open hi hat and tom toms. That's who. That's how I learned to play drums was from listening to that record, pretty much. Yeah. Whenever I sit down on a drum kit, I imitate him. I my two favorite drummers are him and Meg White from the White Stripes, and she's an even simpler drummer than he is, but she is always steady on. Always. I've seen her, yeah, yeah. And she's powerful. I mean, she's retired from music now, but it's it's an ultra simple way of playing, but she is always right on, yeah. always. Yeah, she's a very good drummer, very underrated drummer, too. But, yeah, well, there's a thing on Hulu. Do you guys get Hulu? Mm-hmm. There's a thing called McCartney 321 where Rick Rubin, interview, uh, it, it's like a three-episode documentary or something, and he plays all these McCartney and Beatles solo songs, and he, and he isolates tracks. And they talk about it. And that's really fascinating, too. 
that's a great thing too. You should check that out. That's a lot of fun to watch. I think I've seen that. I've not seen the one with McCartney, but it seems to me I've seen something about that. What is it called again? Something three two one. It's called McCartney three two one. Okay. There's a guy on YouTube who. It's not him. I don't think it's the same guy. There's a guy on YouTube who does that. And he, it's, it's why these songs are great. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. Some, that's the title. And he'll isolate tracks. He'll play a track from a band or a performer. And then he'll isolate some part of it. And he'll say, this is why this is such a great drum track. Mm-hmm. This is why this is such a great guitar lead track. And uh, why why musicians and other players identify it as classic or top line, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's a, a uh, um, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. There's, oh, if you ever, there's a thing on, this was a, an extra track on a reissue, but um, there's a thing where they isolate people's vocals. And there's one for Bring Back That Leroy Brown by Queen. If you listen to that, and that's it's all Freddie, and it's just astounding. It's from like their third album. It's like a vaudeville tune, you know. And but it's all Freddie, and it's his vocal tracks isolated, and it's just amazing what he could do with his voice, and how. Yeah. So Brian May used to say that when he would overdub vocals, sometimes his voice would match up perfectly to the point where it sounded like it was phasing, like you couldn't tell it was two voices. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's how good of a of a singer was. Uh of a singer wow. that he was. But but yeah, yeah. And then there's a thing where they people slow stuff down. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever heard mm-hmm. those? Like it's you know, this song slowed down eight hundred times. Like there's one of uh, Blue Jay Way by the Beatles from Magical Mystery Door, and they slow it down eight hundred times. And it sounds like this really creepy atmospheric movie soundtrack thing that goes on <laughs> for like twenty five minutes. It's like and it's great there's a couple of things where they've where they've slowed it down like 800 times and it's like this is the perfect thing to fall asleep to i mean i'm not kidding i'm not kidding Uh, pretty pretty great and i I don't know how they would think hey let's slow this down to you know this point and listen to it you know yeah i don't know and i i don't know how they do it i mean it's got to be a computerized thing but that'd give me a whole nother set of dreams i don't think i ever I don't ever remember like listening to some falling asleep, listening to something and having a nightmare or a dream or even a dream about it. I'll just fall asleep to it. And now I can remember um, when I was in junior high and high school, um, waking up in, in the middle of the night, specifically like on a Friday or a Saturday and you were up, listening to some radio show mm-hmm. or something uh, because i remember in that stereo you had you said that you could pick up radio stations from germany depending upon what the atmosphere was like mm-hmm. and yeah. i can remember a couple of times dreaming about something pertaining to what you were listening to and oh, then wow. waking up and then waking up and you were i think maybe you were just listening without headphones at that time and you were listening to something, mm-hmm. you know, some radio show or something like that. Well, that Radio Shack stereo I had, you know, this was before digital. So 
it's like my shortwave, which is actually specifically to pick up stuff all over the world. But um, but like at certain points in the middle of that, you guys pick up Chicago. I do yeah. remember picking up a couple of Spanish stations, which, you know, that would be just what, you know, south of Texas or Florida or whatever. Um, that wouldn't be unheard of. Yeah, yeah. I used to pick up at that stuff. Not all the time, but if, if the night was really clear that you'd pick that stuff up. You know, I used to pick up... Um, <laughs> When I was married to Martha, we drove this. We had this little small Ford, and the AM radio. If you turn, if you turned it on and tuned it all the way to the to the very beginning of the AM band, like five thirty, you'd pick up uh, an airport beacon up in Cleveland. You'd pick up airport beacons, um, doing like Morse code of like you know of like whatever airport it was, stuff like that. I don't know if you can still do that, but you know, so that's crazy. Yeah. I haven't actually listened to my shortwave in a long time. I need to, there's, you know, most people don't broadcast on, some still do, but, uh, and you can, like, if I, I can probably pick up WLS in Chicago and stuff pretty easily, but most international broadcasters don't use shortwave anymore. They use the internet. So I used to be able to pick up the BBC and the CBC and Deutschwelle and all that kind of stuff, but they don't, and Radio Netherlands, they don't broadcast on shortwave anymore. So the fun is gone. The fun is gone. Yeah. So, well, anyway, I guess we should probably wrap this up. Huh? It's about eleven thirty. Well, uh, if you could pick some music for outro, what would you pick? Um. Well, we've played them all. <laughs> so, well, actually, <laughs> you know what? Um. Because I will do something different for the uh, intro and outro. Let's do. Um, I've got the Lonely Bull on here by Herb Alpert. Let's do that. Let me see. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Great uh, show, Mike. everybody. Yeah, yes, Mike, thank you. Mike, you want to take us uh, vis- audibly out and then Ray can play the music? Sure. Well, that's all for this episode of Posterity Podcast. We will come back in the future with an episode titled We Really Will, Music We Wish We Music We Wish Our Mother Had Never Listened To, a tribute to Razzie Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Mom. <laughs> You'll be hearing from Razzie's lawyers shortly. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. I didn't know it started like this. I remember this. <laughs> <laughs>